0: You're listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. Join us as we have a fun conversation with certified experts and physicians about health topics for you and your family. It's your best life, our one purpose.
1: Hey guys, thanks for joining us. This is Adam.
0: And this is Miriam.
1: Today we're going to talk about weight loss and specifically weight loss surgery. And Miriam, you were able to catch up with a couple experts um, in our neck of the woods.
0: Yes, I did. Today, we have uh, two special guests. We have Dr. Moise Dawood and Jenna Nichols, who will be talking about bariatric surgery and just some things in general that a lot of you may have questions about. So, welcome, both of you. And Dr. Dawood, I'm going to start with you. Just basic, what is bariatric surgery?
2: Yeah. Hi. Well, good morning and thank you for having us. Um So in a nutshell, bariatric surgery is essentially a tool that we use in medicine to help treat obesity as a disease. Um, Obesity is a multifactorial process, and it's not as simple as saying you eat unhealthy or you eat the wrong way. Um, It really is, you know, multifaceted. And surgery is a very powerful tool that can help in treating obesity and obesity-related diseases.
0: So what kind of diseases are Um, Because I think a lot of people think that, that, oh, you just have a sedentary lifestyle, you eat terrible. What are some things that can contribute besides being inactive and having maybe not the best diet that can contribute to someone needing bariatric surgery?
2: Absolutely. So there there are certain components that aren't really modifiable when it comes to uh, people and their weight. And in addition to the factors that you mentioned, such as sedentary lifestyle uh, and what you eat, there are other factors that also play into role. Factors such as where you work, how you work, um, your living situation, your current economic situation, your genes, and then overall, and more impactfully, the hormones inside of your body. They play a very powerful role in maintaining your weight and how your weight is being controlled. And some of these are out of our control. And so surgery impacts all of those areas.
0: So I'm going to direct this question to you, Jenna. Why would someone actually need the bariatric surgery um, just besides being obviously overweight? But what sort of like medical condition where it's life-threatening?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, like Dr. Dawood mentioned, bariatric surgery is a tool and using that tool and the lifestyle modifications that our patients are able to make, um, we can treat other underlying conditions like diabetes, acid reflux, high blood pressure. um, With the weight loss too, some joint pain can be alleviated so patients can move more comfortably. And there are a lot of other underlying conditions too that we can help address with the weight loss surgery and also just the nutritional and exercise changes that our patients are able to make during the process. What's the the youngest bariatric person that comes to
0: mind as far as age that you've seen?
2: The youngest patients that we take care of here Um, are usually at the age of 18 or older. However, there are centers across the country that are focusing on adolescent uh, and pediatric uh, obesity and obesity-related diseases, and these are a little bit more specialized centers. However, we're finding that as time goes on, obesity is becoming more and more prevalent, the incidence is rising, and the onset of obesity and its related diseases are occurring at a younger age.
0: So do you think a lot of that is, especially with the kids, because... You don't really think of kids being born to be overweight, so is it our our food pyramid that we have out there, and how how people are eating?
2: So it certainly can be. I, I think there has been a, a big push. I think from within the uh, medical community to kind of readdress the whole food pyramid scheme and how it's structured. Um, you know, for us here in our clinic, uh, in our program, our recommended diet is a low-carb diet, and uh, we've seen that variations of low-carb diets um, tend to allow people to lose weight, tend to allow people to come off their hypertensive medications, tend to allow them to come off their diabetic medications. Uh, and so, when and so when you look at the food pyramid in its current sort of setup and where carbs fall into that, it doesn't really fit that model that we're using. And so, I think, I think. As time goes on and we understand more about how our body metabolizes carbs, how our body metabolizes sugars, and how that relates to obesity, I think we'll find that eventually the food pyramid that you're referring to will probably change.
0: Right. I I think I think across the, the nation and not only in the health industry, but wellness and fitness all kind of tend to agree of that, that there's way too much sugar and corn syrup in, in a lot of our foods. Um if someone needed, needed to have this surgery, what are their main thing that you look at or the main?
2: So there are a, a, a few different requirements, um, but without getting too specific, our biggest requirement is the ability to show to yourself, not just to us, but to yourself as a person, um, that we can change who we are. At the end of the day, surgery is still a tool. And I tell my patients that that tool does not last forever. And so there is going to come a point in time where the benefits of the surgery are going to wear off. And it's going to be on who you are as a person and how you've changed as a person to maintain all of the health benefits that you've now achieved after surgery.
0: I think that's the big thing is making that big lifestyle change, correct? Absolutely. So once they've had the surgery... And then what happens, Jenna? What happens?
1: What's the next step? Yeah, so from our standpoint, our patients will have seen us every month prior to the surgery just to make sure that they're losing weight, that their lifestyle modifications are um, going well for them, and they feel ready to take that next step and undergo the surgery. Once that has happened, they'll have several follow-up appointments where, once again, we'll be going through the same things we did before surgery, making sure that we're sticking to that diet, that the weight loss is still occurring, um, and that they are healthy overall because our biggest concern uh, is not necessarily the weight that is lost but that they are able to feel that they're living a healthier lifestyle and those comorbidities like we talked about earlier the diabetes the high blood pressure other things that we're getting those under control and that they are feeling healthier
0: so um, they have a follow-up with a dietitian what about exercise programs are you obviously encouraging that and and just getting tell them to start getting comfortable with what they're comfortable doing, like maybe just walking? Because some people probably can't even walk around the
1: block. Absolutely. So when we first start um, our patient on this journey, we talk about their exercise routine and what they've already been going through, and we encourage them to – ramp that up as much as they can. Our focus really, though, is on the diet because that makes a much greater impact on weight overall than necessarily exercise, but it's something we do encourage. And we're looking into options for our patients so that we can make that as convenient and um, as accessible to them as we can. That's a good point
0: because in the fitness industry, we always say you can't outrun a bad diet.
2: Very true. Very true.
0: You have to watch the the food intake and what you're putting in your bodies.
2: We, t- we tell patients it's all about the diet, the diet, the diet. Yeah,
0: that's good advice. So uh, do you have any type of like, you know, there's so many different diets out there right now as far as there's keto and there's intermittent fasting. Do you encourage any type of that or is it mainly, I mean, the low carb is what you really focus on and those added sugars?
2: Yeah, so that's a, that's an excellent question. And currently in our, in our medical literature, there is no specific recommended diet that has been shown to work time and time again. I think when you look at obesity and you, and you, and you perceive obesity as a disease, you'll find that not, it's not a one shoe fit all type of disease. And so, there are some patients who do not do well on a low-carb diet, and there are certain patients with certain diseases and comorbidities who do worse with a low-carb diet, and so then we have to come up with a different type of diet for them. And sometimes that can be a low-calorie diet, sometimes that's a low-fat diet, and certain patients sometimes even need differences in protein amounts. And so really, we try to tailor the diet specifically for who you are as a person and how obesity impacts you as a disease. Um, Overall, though, I think starting with a low-carb diet um, is probably a good place to start. I know there's a lot of different names for a low-carb diet. You've seen them ketogenic. You've seen Red Mountain. Um, you know, I've seen them. There's all these different names. But, you know, I think more importantly than the name is mindful eating, watchful eating, and understanding what a carb is, what a sugar is, and how it impacts your health.
0: And, and a lot of it, too, is just a habit you know, I kind of have a bad habit of when I get home from work before I have my dinner, I'm I'm so hungry that I'll snack while I'm preparing dinner. And that's just a habit. I don't really need it, but so I kind of need to work on that habit. Um, real quick, describe the difference between the sleeve and the actual, I mean, what's the difference between the surgery and the, the sleeve that I've heard about?
2: Sure. So so the sleeve gastrectomy is currently the most common primary bariatric procedure of choice in the United States. Um, In the last year alone, anywhere between 70 to 80% of all the primary weight loss surgeries done was the sleeve gastrectomy. Um, The sleeve gastrectomy uh, is a procedure where you remove anywhere between 70 to 80% of the stomach. Um, And many people do believe that because you have a smaller stomach, you eat less food and because you eat less food, you lose the weight. But that's not where the weight loss comes from. And I I like to emphasize that to patients because they do believe that you have a smaller stomach so you can eat less food. So you can eat less food and then you lose the weight. The primary modality through which the sleeve induces weight loss is by enhancing your diet. What happens is there are many hormones that the stomach produces that affects our brain and our individual fat cells. And these hormones are designed to maintain a certain weight and to maintain a certain size. When you do the sleeve gastrectomy, you impact those hormones. You effectively remove uh, their ability to maintain your weight. And so what that allows that to, what, what, what that allows to happen is it allows your diet to become more effective. It allows your diet to work better for you. And at the end of the day, surgery is just a tool. It's all about the diet. The surgery enhances the effects of the diet. If you forget how to diet, if you forget how to eat, doesn't matter how small or make your stomach, you'll never lose the weight.
0: Do you, like, do you use the word diet or do you like to say we're going to change your eating habits?
2: So my goal at the end of our program – is that when you come to me and you tell me about what you're eating, that you don't call it a diet. It's just who you are as a person. Right. And like I said, the surgery is only effective for anywhere between one and a half to three years for some patients. And so at the end of that time frame, where those hormones are now coming back and they're coming back with a vengeance, trying to tell your body, I wanna get back to my original weight, I tell people, That hopefully, that at that point, it's no longer a diet for you. It's just how you eat, and that the exercise that you do is no longer called exercise. It's a hobby for you. It's your routine, and that's really our goal here.
0: That's really interesting about the hormones, Uh, Jenna. What can you bring on a little bit more about that, or talk a little bit more about the hormones, and especially like as you get older, because you know I'm, I'm at that 55 and up age, so those are something that's something that i'm dealing with right now
1: yeah sure so age definitely adds into that effect so there are a lot of hormones that are working with our body and they communicate between our brain our fat cells and our stomach to let us know either that we're hungry or we're feeling full and um like dr dogwood talked about earlier for you know certain patients those hormones let them think that they're much hungrier than they used to be and that's why um without the surgery patients really struggle to lose weight because if when you go on a diet um you're body is really telling you, hey, my fat cells are shrinking. I I need to eat more to get back to my original size. And so when we do that surgery and we take out that component, our fat cells are able to shrink without our body panicking and thinking that we need to continue to eat. So that's why, you know, having the surgery and then maintaining that diet really gives you the best results. So I've been reading recently
0: about gut health. They talk a lot about gut health and, and that hormone factor is has been in that a lot. So I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. So you've definitely got my interest up when you're talking about that. That does make a lot of sense. Um, I'll I'll use myself as as an example. So I've maintained my weight for 30 years. But I've also extremely exchanged my or changed my diet over the years. I can't eat like I did, you know, 30 years ago I'm eating less and being a lot more mindful eating better and yeah so you definitely have to change as you age what how you eat and you don't need as much even though I exercise a lot but I definitely don't need as much food as I used to or think I do. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you. It was nice to meet you. Thank you, Jenna and doctor for um, coming in today and talking to us. And if you guys are interested and want more information, you can find a a bariatric or weight loss program at mercyone.org.
1: Thank you very much for having us. Yes. Thank you. Wow, Miriam, that was great information.
0: That was great information. I actually learned a lot of stuff today that I didn't know about.
1: I'll tell you what when he was talking about the effect of actually making your stomach smaller and how people have that misconception. I was in that group of people and I definitely learned something today.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm really interested about the hormone factor of it.
1: Well, tell you what, guys, if you have any feedback, make sure to send that to us. You can email us at podcast at mercyhealth.com or you can go to mercyone.org slash podcast. There's a submission form and you can actually listen to all of our podcasts too.
0: Thanks for listening. Have a great day.
1: And live your best life.